predominantly male, pale and stale. White, middle-aged men that are holding on to these seats throughout the country. There's an entrenched pattern over time that they may be re-elected and re-elected and these seats have been held for years or decades. That's Mairead O'Shea, Communications Manager with See Her Elected, a joint initiative between Longford Women's Link and 5050 Northwest in response to the underrepresentation of women in county councils across Ireland. I love the remit of this initiative to create councils that look like us across rural Ireland. And that means look like all of us. Here's the sad fact. As of October 2023, only 26% of our county councillors are women. Ireland has changed and our councils need to change to reflect that. Listen in as we talk practically about how that can change. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. Welcome, Maraid. Thanks, Marola. Delighted to be here with you. Yeah, I'm delighted to have you because I think it's such an important topic and obviously you're very passionate about it as well. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about She, Her Elected and why it came about and why you actually joined them? Yeah, sure. So uh, See Her Elected um, was set up after the 2019 local elections. So we're in existence um, only a few short years since 2020. And initially it was to in 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 combat um, to the really low numbers of women that were being elected onto county councils in the Midlands and Northwest. So after the 2019 local elections, counties like Leitrim, Longford, Sligo, Donegal, um, Roscommon, those kind of counties in the Midlands and Northwest had a very low, small percentage of women being elected onto the county councils. So it was an initiative to try to do something about that and came about through Longford Women's Link with the Longford Women's Manifesto Group and um, subsequently was funded by the um, Department of Housing and Local Government. So we're in existence since 2020. Um, and of course, we all know what happened then in 2020 when COVID, the pandemic hit. The idea initially was that um, Dr. Michelle Marr, who's the programme manager, um, was to set up uh, workshops throughout the Midlands Northwest and physically go around to the different counties. But obviously then there had to be a strategic rethink of things with COVID hit. Um, so everything went online. But in a way, it was almost, um, you know, a good thing or a silver lining for us in Sierra Elected because it meant that we were able to reach a far greater number of women throughout Ireland because it was all free and it was all online. So we actually had a kind of a rapid progression. We, we quickly outgrew the initial target area of Midlands Northwest and expanded throughout the whole country. Um, and as I said, local elections happen every five years. So the next locals are due to take place in June of 24 next year. So that's what we've been working towards the last number of years. So we run um, online election workshops basically to help equip women with the skills, confidence and knowledge to go forward and run for election. And it's all drawn through Zoom. Let me ask you a quick question. Just just to give everybody a perspective here. 
before we get into the specifics. Can you share with us when we say that there are low, low numbers of women in the local councils, the county councils, I want to share a couple of numbers with everybody and perhaps you share some more. I obviously looked in Waterford first because that's where I'm based. But four out of 32 county councillors are women in Waterford. Four out of 32. Six out of 34 in Wexford. Four out of 37 in Donegal. Two out of 30 in Mayo. And this other amazing statistic which you told me about when we first chatted was the first female councillor was appointed in Leitrim in 1979 and you gave this amazing comparison of we've got a man on the moon before a female councillor was elected in Leitrim like that's crazy yeah it's true and you see those counties yeah it's if they're not unique to your county of Waterford or my county of Roscommon where there's only four out of 18 we see it throughout rural Ireland and the stats we say in the urban centres like Dublin, Dunleary, Ratdown is nearly 19 out of 40 and Dublin City would be 30 out of 63. Fingal is about 14, 15 out of 40. So it's almost half and half in the urban Dublin centres. But as I say, when you get into your car and drive down the M50 to rural Ireland, it's a very, very different story. And it was significantly, as you've recalled from those stats, significantly um, low numbers in in most of the rural counties. So something has to be done about it. And I suppose that's our mission is to create councils that look like us around Ireland. I love that. Um, Say that again. Yeah, to create county councils that look like us. And a council, you know, a county council is uh, looks after the everyday, day-to-day life of, of of people in an area. So whether it's about housing or roads or playgrounds or swimming pools or parks or environmental issues, it affects day-to-day things. So um, so if you just say a little bit more about, I think we kind of forget what the roles are. Say a little bit more about what the role of a county councillor is. Yeah, well, I suppose if it's, you don't mind. It's, 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 there's a few different things. The county councillor does significantly a large amount of their work would be taken up with, you know, dealing with um, constituents' representations or issues and problems that that people in the community bring up with them. So whether that's about, you know, um, road issue or potholes famously or um, could be housing or lack of it, it could be a planning permission issue. Um, there could be environmental issues. There could be something to do with playground or public facilities in an area. Um, so people will raise problems and issues in their community through their county councillor as their public rep. The public rep will make representations then to the council executive. So the county council will raise these issues through the council chamber and also then through the the avenues of the the council staff or the council executive and try to get um you know things t- things moving and try to affect policy um you know and decision making at the county council level they'll also be responsible you know for feeding into things like the county development plan and the economic community development plan for the county um and county councillors also sit then on other external bodies like the HSE um, regional fora or the education and training boards um, or the library committees. So there's a lot of there's a lot of activities or responsibilities that because this is one of the things that you raised when we had the first chat that that women are possibly involved in anyway. Yeah, 
in their community. That's the thing. Very often women are the backbone of rural communities. They're doing this work on the ground anyway. So whether they're involved in their school board, the GA, tidy towns, environmental groups, that's all politics with a small p. And it's seeing that as valuable work. And very often women don't you know, but they actually are doing this work in the community anyway. So we're trying to, I suppose, encourage them and say to, you know, that is very valuable um, work you're doing in your community. You're doing it anyway and see that as an asset and a valuable asset to your community and making the jump from, you know, that politics of the small p onto the ballot paper. Um, but I suppose just to go back to the point, you know, about representation and the councils, the way they are at the moment, let's there's only 26% of county councillors around the country are women. So it's predominantly male, pale and stale. <laughs> so it's predominantly white, middle-aged men that are holding on to these seats throughout the country. And in a lot of times, the incumbents, as we call them, the sitting county councillors, and no disrespect, some of them are great councillors, um, but there's an entrenched pattern over time they may be re-elected and re-elected and these seats have been held for years or decades. And the point is, they don't own these seats. You know, the, the seat belongs to the public and to that municipal district or the GAC council. So, um, you know, we want to, in see or elected, we want to see councils that look like us. Like a council should be, a, you know, represent, might reflect the society. So if we're half a society is made up of women, then we should see that reflected in the council chamber. It should be half and half. Equally, there should be more people of ethnic uh, minorities, um, more people uh, with disabilities. There's only 13% of the population has been up people with disabilities, but we don't see that in our council chamber either, or people from a traveller background. So for a county council to be truly representative of the society represents, we need to, it needs to be a mirror. We need to see ourselves in it. So in Sierra Electus, that's what we're trying to do is to bring more women, um, equip them, I suppose, with that, with those skills of confidence and knowledge um, to prepare them to go forward for election. And we do that through the workshops online where we focus on communication strategy, cannabis and strategy, a campaign strategy. Um, we also run workshops for campaign managers, but it's all online and through Zoom. And, and, and free of charge. I love this. It's a really uh, pragmatic approach to empowering women and empowering minorities and empowering, you know, like empowering all factors of sectors of society. I love this really pragmatic of how do you get elected? Like showing them how to canvas, showing them, like really teaching them the ins and outs of what it takes to get elected. And one of the things that you alluded to in our conversation before was that before this was information that was kind of held within the parties, whereas now you're making it open, opening it up so that it's possible to reach every aspect, every part of community. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, unless you were running for a party or you had some political pedigree or you came from a political dynasty or was a family steeped in politics, you know, that you grew up with it and you knew the ins and outs. But for um, a normal average woman that didn't know, uh, you know, it wasn't coming from that political dynasty or that political background, they didn't know where to start. So we set about the very basics and we ended up basically 
because it didn't exist, um, we wrote Ireland's first ever guide to running for election, for local election. So the Senior Elected Guide to Running in the 2024 local elections was published um, back in 21. Um, and really the the workshops online work in tandem with the book. So it's uh, each chapter and section is broken down to have a corresponding workshop online. And it's very practical um, information, as you said, it's the how to, and there's a lot of checklists and, you know, we go through things like forming your campaign team, putting together your kitchen table team, your director of elections, organising your finances, how to raise your profile, how to write a media release, engage with the radio stations, um, best practice of social media, how to canvas properly, you know, how to arrange, um, you know, knowing the role of a county councillor and municipal district and your Lodge, um, and also looking at that all important why you and where's the vacancy and why people should vote for you and getting your messaging right. So that's all contained in the book. And anyone who does our um, workshops gets a free copy of the CR Elected Guide to Run It for Election. And I should say the work, the, the book is also available to download free of charge on our website, crelected.ie. And we've also published it in Polish as well. Um, so that's a, a, a big a plus. And we're hoping next year to also maybe, you know, begin to publish it in other languages. Um, but because obviously we're, we're, we're nearing election time each month, we're in, um, you know, early next year, uh, January 24. We're going to have, you know, a very short run into the, the locals next June. So rather than run monthly workshops, we're now coming to the end of the monthly workshops at the end of December um, 23. And from early next year on, what we're going to do instead is to actually have two live in-person events um, that will be like a boot camp, if you want. It's going to be how to get elected in a day, your election toolkit in one day. And those events are taking place in Longford Women's Link, Longford on Saturday, January the 20th and Saturday, February the 24th. And they run from 11 a.m. to about 3 p.m. And they will target those three key areas, canvassing, campaign and communication strategy with a team of expert speakers. And again, that's all free. Uh, Nudge is provided on the day as well. And we'll also be providing a free pick up from Longford bus or train station and uh, in a major uh, plus as well uh, because our parent company Longford Women's Lake um, runs um, a crash and early years facilitator on site we're also able to offer free childcare through a mobile crash that they'll be able to set up um, on the Saturdays so any woman that's attending and has, has, has the need for childcare can get in touch with us about that but all the information is on our website so those they're condensed one day events. They're they're the same material on both days. They've just been repeated. So that's a chance for any first time new candidates to to get all of that information. Does that mean, Mairead, that you don't have to be from Longford. You can come from anywhere in the country and come to that event, get on a train, get on a bus, you'll be collected from it, brought to the event and childcare is provided? Absolutely. Anyone from anywhere in the country. We have women from all over, from Donegal to Kerry to Cork, um, you know, in our workshops. Um, we have 
thousands of women have gone through our between seminars and events and workshops, you know, on our mailing list in the last few years. So we do have women from every corner of Ireland. So absolutely any first time candidates that um, are serious about running and putting their names on a ballot paper, they may have already gone through a selection convention if they're part of a party or they may be running as an independent. If you're from anywhere in the country, you're welcome to come to those in-person events in Longford on the either the 20th of January or the 24th of February. One of the things that I really liked about your, so you're doing two in-person events, but outside of, I know you just changed what you're doing, you're doing in-person events, but you also had monthly clinics and stuff, which is the same impact in some ways in that this idea that you're not alone. It's a thing that is faced by lots of entrepreneurs feeling very solitary, solopreneurs. This is also the case for a woman in politics to actually know that there's someone else on the same journey as you, that you can come to this event and meet others. You may not be competing for the same seat. Maybe you are, but you're maybe not competing for that same position, but you can, you know, bounce ideas off each other if you're in Cork, someone else is in Kerry or whatever it is, and learn from each other and actually share that journey so that we can get more women elected. Absolutely. That's a big part of seeing her elected is that camaraderie and peer support. And that those friendships and support and allies have built up over the last few years through the workshops online. But we also run, as you said, monthly support clinics and they're running currently and they will be running early next year and right. up to election day. Um, and that's a monthly um, online support where we can, you know, gather together and bounce ideas, raise issues or problems relevant to your campaign. Another woman in another part of the country might have an idea or help or support you. Um, so we find that's really good for kind of brainstorming or raising issues. Um, so those monthly support clinics will be continuing up to election day. And a new addition that we've actually just added um, to the website in, in, in recent days, in fact, is a free um, uh, section where you can book a call with a member of the SHE team. So there's time slots, 15, 20 minute time slots. It's Monday, Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. You can select a time or a date that suits you and you can book in to speak to one of the senior elected team um, to raise a specific issue or topic that's relevant to your campaign or maybe there's something that's niggling you or you want specific help with. So that's um, a new thing that we've added and that will continue into the new year as well. So we're very much with women every step of the journey. It's like we have your back, we're with you. Um, you know, there's no problem too small or too big, you can raise it with us. And if we don't know the answer, we'll seek it out or find someone who can help you. So that's a major part of um Sierra's approach from the beginning. And we're very much grassroots, you know, bottom up that any issues, you know, we're kind of led by what the women want and what the women need. So issues that are raised with us or the feel the needs extra help in X, Y, Z, you know, that's that's built into our, we're responsive to their needs. Like, for example, one of the major issues that we found, even when we were doing the workshops and providing people with all this information and content, um, and even the most accomplished women that were ready and in our minds were well ready to, to go for to go for a selection convention or run, there still was this fear factor. And we felt there was a big issue with confidence and resilience. So we built that in and now provide 
workshops in confidence and resilience as well um, to tick that section. And another idea, another, I suppose, example of being responsive to needs was the whole idea of, you know, being on radio um, and local radio is particularly important in rural Ireland. And um, even though we would have covered it in the communications modules, um, there still felt, you know, they needed some little extra help on the radio training. So we partnered up with um, a number of different radio stations throughout Ireland and we started rolling that out only in the last month or two um, where we physically brought women into the studios, radio studios around Ireland, um, you know, to have them actually sitting in studio with the headset on at a radio mic and having some one-to-one training. So we did some mock interviews and panel discussion type scenarios. And just to take that fear out of it and give them some practical skills and knowledge. So that came again, being responsive to to the needs and wants of women. So that's kind of the way we roll <laughs> in Sierra Electric, but we're very... Yeah, amazing. And... Let's talk about something else, which is why do you think so few women women go for election? Well, I suppose there's such a mix of cultural and societal reasons. There's no one answer that I can give to you, Florence, saying this is the reason. Because if there was, we'd fix it and there would be more women, you know. So it's very, very complex, I suppose. Um, some of the reasons are women tend to carry or bear the burden of caring or childcare responsibilities, whether that's for children or for elderly parents, women tend to, to carry that burden disproportionately. Um, and some of the other reasons, I suppose, are waiting to be asked is a big thing. And the research has shown this, that women tend to maybe sit back and wait to be asked by a political party to run for them. And very often that ask may come too late in the day. It may be a month or two before the election and the woman doesn't feel prepared or ready or doesn't feel she has a profile raised adequately or has the knowledge and skills and um, the ask comes too late in the day. And would a man just, if a man was curious about going for, to become a county councillor, is it usually that they, they will ask the party themselves? They'll just step, put themselves forward? Yeah, parties have told us this, like men are knocking down their doors in some parties to to run for them, whereas they're finding it difficult to get female candidates, um, that women tend to wait to be asked. And I suppose, and, and, and what happens in a lot of political parties as well, the incumbent or the sitting male, male councillor is the preferred candidate by the party to hold on to a seat and they may just run a female candidate on the ticket with the male candidate just to bring in what we call the number twos, you know, the transfers as a sweeper candidate. So it's it's just adding the token female onto the ticket, which which you don't want to be. And we're saying that to women, like you want to be in a winnable seat. You want to be, if you're running for election, you're, you're obviously serious about it and you want to win the seat. Um, you don't want to be that token female candidate for a party. So political parties have a big role to play as well. So we would be saying to women, like, you know, don't wait to be asked you know, you should be approaching the parties and saying, I'm a great asset for your party. I've got X, Y, Z done. I'm, you know, I'm well set up in the community. I've working on my profile the last year. I've gone through all these workshops that's here elected. I know what I'm talking about. I've got, you know, that you're ready and you have um, all your community work behind you and you're, you're ready to roll and that the parties would be delighted, you know, to, to have you run. So, 
you know, don't wait to be asked is, is the big thing. You know, if, if, if you're serious about it and you want to approach the parties yourself or run as an independent, but the waiting, yeah, the, the ask is, is a major thing. And I suppose, look at other reasons, I suppose could be, you know, online abuse or, you know, but again, that's, that's, I suppose, relevant to male and female politicians, unfortunately, nowadays, but, um, you know, that takes, I suppose, a multi-fold stakeholder approach to, to tackle that. But um, uh, what other reasons? Uh, I suppose politics maybe not being viewed as family friendly, um, you know, that meetings occur late at night or in the evening. Um, and the work of a county councillor, look at, it's not nine to five. You, you will have to attend community groups or meetings in the evening or whatnot. But the point as well is that, you know, until there are more women in at the decision making table and in where decisions are made, then things will never change. So it's like the doll, like if the doll is sitting late at night at 10 or 11 o'clock at night for votes, um, it's the business committee in the doll that makes decisions about the timing of meetings and votes and whatever. So unless there's more women in on those committees, you know, that the, the timings won't change or, you know, we can We've proven during COVID that things can be done hybrid. Um, we can have remote meetings. So there's no reason why votes can't be done remotely. Um, and likewise, in county council meetings, um, hybrid meetings work during COVID. And I know a, some, a number of councils have maintained that and still do a kind of a mix of in-person and hybrid. But actually, it's ridiculous that it can't be hybrid. Like we have a minister that can't leave COP to come back because he has to do a vote. He has to leave an, an an international event for two days to come back and do a vote. Yeah, well, I think then did one of the, the Social Democrats say they were going to pair with him, like there was that he wouldn't have to leave. So that was obviously mature uh, political. Yeah. You know, that was in everyone's interest. So, but yeah, so they had to do a pairing arrangement. So the vote, you know, the, so it would allow him to stay there. But yeah, yeah, that's it. Like it was ridiculous. But likewise, at council level that... um you know, meetings can be hybrid. Uh, they will work. It is possible. And I think in Westmead County Council as well, they actually developed a family-friendly room where um, if you had to go to a council meeting late in the evening or whatever, that you could bring your child um, with you and they could do the homework in the room um, beside the chamber. You know, so there are, um, you know, the National Women's Council, you know, had that family-friendly toolkit for local authorities um, with guidelines um, how to make politics more family friendly but that's not going to just benefit women it's going to benefit men and women like because um, some men are parents or fathers as well and it's going to benefit both so we should see it as that you know um that just because something has always been done a particular way it doesn't mean that that forever after it has to stay that way you know um it's uh it's because men have held those seats of power and been in those positions for for you know, since the year dot, that things have been done that way. But if we had more women in there where those decisions and policies and where the structure... You think we're still a bit institutionalised by that whole traditional perspective of woman as nurturer, woman, stay quiet, look after the kids, don't, you know, rock the boat. You think we're still doing that? A bit, yeah. I, like I have examples of, of, of female councillors who were in meetings and the meetings ran late and um, the chair would... Uh, said to this particular councillor, oh, do 
do, do you want to make a phone call or to arrange childcare, you know, because the meeting is going to run on a bit later. He didn't say that to the other male counsellors who were there who also had kids. Do you know what I mean? There's this assumption that um, it's set down by the universe that because uh, women can biologically bear children, that they are the only ones that can ever care for them full stop do you know which we know isn't true like there are ways of of doing both and combining um there's another great story that you shared with me which was about your own daughter when she was going for um student council yeah i love this story yeah. and because it's actually yeah. it, it has a comparable stories in business also but yeah, please share the story yeah, yeah. So I, I'm loving. I have a son and a daughter, and uh, my daughter's eleven now. And, um, I, you know, they're 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 listening to me going on about Sierra Lake to all the time. But anyway, uh, so she had been on the student council the year before. This year she was going. Uh, there was a number of her friends going for the sports councillor or other positions, and it was the first year where they actually, um, did actual elections. You know, the the class voted. Um, they're still in fifth class, but it just it's an example of, I suppose, at a microcosm level how, how things work. But um, so she came home anyway and she was really upset. She said, oh, none of the girl, girls, you know, didn't win. One of the girls didn't win. There was five going for it, three girls and two boys. And one of the boys won the position to get on this, this student house or this position. And uh, we said, oh, what happened her? You know, and she said, oh, the girls have great ideas. You know, they had ideas about we'll have an old uniform day, we'll have a bring your pet to school day or once a month there's such and such happens in the class and all this, you know, I just said the lads had some good ideas as well. Um, but I thought the girls' ideas were better and, you know, they delivered a great speech and all that. And but she said, what are the boys want? And I said, yeah, but what did they do differently? What did the boy one do differently to the others? And she had to think about it for a minute. And then she said, oh, yeah, mommy, do you know what he did? He went around everybody in the class beforehand and asked them to vote for him. And I said, oh, my God, there you go. He actually went around and asked. He asked. He asked them to vote for them. Whereas the girls relied on their experience and their wisdom and their skills being recognised by just, you know, they delivered their pitch and they said their speech. But um, they were relying solely on that. Whereas he canvassed everybody in the class beforehand used his context, his friendships, his leverage and said, you know, will you vote for me? And, and it was that simple, the ask. And uh, that's sometimes what women maybe tend to forget. And we spoke about that, the parallels in business. But in everything, like women wait to be asked, wait to be asked. Uh, that was the whole point of that book um, of lean in, of waiting to be asked to step up to the table, waiting for the in the promotion, not going for it, not putting yourself forward. Same with in business, it's kind of asking for the sale, pushing yourself forward, growing. Like, you know, it is that same thing all the time, stepping forward into your own power or strength or that that great thing that you have to give to the world. Like Absolutely. And I think just to, I suppose, draw a bit more on those parallels, I suppose, the whole idea, and it's the same in politics, you know, and the asking and leveraging your context. I don't, I think women are brilliant, you know, have brilliant relationship skills, but we don't leverage or use our contacts in the same way that men might. And, um, you know, we spend time and energy um, getting to know people, uh, giving advice, listening to problems. Um, but then I suppose we have this fear of appearance that serving or playing 
certain political gains or something if we're if if we ask or leverage those contexts. Uh, whereas that kind of horse trading or uh, such scenario seems to come more naturally to men. Um, but we need to develop that as women and to say, well, is it how men view it then as opposed to how wem- women view it? I think so. Or how men kind of just see that as a natural thing. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Whereas we need to kind of get in more to that mindset of you help me and I'll help you. But to see um, our assets and our currency uh, is the resources and the skills and the contacts and the connections that I can bring to you, whether that's in business or politics, but that's all currency that I have to offer to you. So we need to learn how to, I suppose, not to be afraid to use that and see it as as currency. Like with Kaida, if we're in a new job, a woman might keep the head down and read and research and do, you know, find out all this stuff, but at the expense of not spending the time at making those connections and building those networks, which are are really important and um, can kind of keep us trapped. I say this, see this a lot when I'm working with clients as well, with women um, in business also, which is this tendency to say, I'm just going to let the work speak for itself. Whereas in actual fact, your work doesn't have a mouth. You have to speak for it. You have to put yourself forward. Absolutely. This is the thing about overvalue and expertise. And this is the same in politics and and business. Like I always say to women, you don't need a degree in politics or sociology or economics to run for councillor. You just need to care about your community. I want to see and affect change and being on the ground doing the work. That is enough. You are enough, you know, and why not you? You have all these assets and skills to bring um, in that decision making that does count counsel. But equally in business, like that, we overvalue our expertise. Like it's like if you were going for a job spec, you wouldn't ex- you wouldn't just sit down in front of the panel of if interviewers and expect them to buy osmosis or something and just uh, you know know everything that you know and, and know how great you are what's on your CV. You have to spell it out for them. So it's the same. Like, and, you know, we have to be able to blow our own trumpets more and to own and be able to communicate our own success. And that's the same in, in politics as well. Like your own near and dear and immediate circle would know how great you are and what you're doing on the ground. And be, but Billy or Mary Joe down the road, 10 kilometres or five kilometres might know what you've done or what community groups you've been involved in, same in business. So you have to tell them um, and spell it out. Um, and I don't think that comes maybe as naturally to women. So we need to, to, as I said, be able to own and communicate our own success and and not see it as, you know, not in an arrogant and way, but just, you know, being able to say, well, I did this and this is what I did and X, Y, Z. And um I think that's that's a big thing um, for women to, to to be able to do that. Um, it is. It's that whole idea of telling your story, which is what we're talking about. You actually referenced a really great book for um, people to read. And it's actually I haven't finished reading this. I have to confess, but you've made me want to read it, which is that book called How Women Rise. And it's by Sally Helgeson and Marshall Goldsmith. But really interesting 12 behaviors most often keep that most often keep women stuck and we talked about a few of them do you want to share them Mairead? Yeah absolutely yes yeah. so you mentioned the name of the book there and that um, Catherine McGrath is a confidence and resilience coach who works with us in seeing her elected um, she has our own business as well ABC coaching and uh, that's some of the things that she would have highlighted um, 
in some of our workshops, you know, these 12 steps. So we, we mentioned some of them there, the whole issue of confidence and resilience, um, not leveraging contacts the way men do, the whole idea of the imposter syndrome, you know, that um, you kind of, you know, we, we, we feel like we're not supposed to be in this space or that we don't know enough about it and we have to nearly, you know, go OTT then at the, at the, um, the expertise and the the knowledge, um, uh, the superwoman syndrome again, not asking for help, like um, assuming that things are a woman's burden, and this came up a lot. You know, sometimes just ask that. Sometimes you know, men like would be saying, "Oh, I'm trying to do this, and I'm juggling this, and I'm doing everything," and uh, you know, um, but you see, I suppose it's like if things have always been done a certain way, um, and the world carries on and things continue on. Um, that maybe sometimes an ask is needed to say, well, look, at, I can't do X, Y, Z. Can you do this or ask, you know, and, and, and don't just always automatically assume um, the burdens. Can I ask you another question? If someone has an inkling who's listening that they might like to kind of explore this, maybe it's not for 2024, maybe it's for the next one, but they'd like to kind of, start to play around with this in their heads of maybe maybe I could be a county councillor, maybe I could have a voice. What are the things that that you would say that the attributes that that person has or that woman has that could make them a great councillor or a good councillor? At a very basic level, you know, wanting to see and affect change in your community and wanting to help um, people in your community. And very often, as I said, women are doing this type of work anyway, whether it's through school boards or GA or tidy towns, or if there's an issue in your community, you want to see a new playground or you want to see additional housing or you see a problem in your community and you think that you can bring some value and some input into that. Um, your lived experience, you know, and as I said to you, it's not, you don't need degrees and everything to, to be a county councillor. You just want to, you just need to care about your community. I want to affect change. And, um, you know, your uh, perspectives as a woman and as a member of the community and your lived experience is enough. You are enough. You are well able to do the job of a county councillor. Um, you know, it isn't rocket science. It's making representations for people. It's working with your community groups. It's dealing with the council executives. You can learn a lot of this when you get into the job. The EING, the Association of Irish Local Government as well, offers support and training for elected reps. reps. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's to get more women, I suppose, to the starting line, get them on the ballot papers and see politics as a viable option. Um, it is a part-time role being a county councillor. Um, you know, it's not massive money, despite what some people might think. It's at a basic level, it's about 27,000 and then there's add-ons for different allowances. But you can have your another job as well or maybe um, someone that's retired or whatever. There's different scenarios or working part-time. So actually it could be a part-time job that you can do while you mind kids. Absolutely, yeah. There's a, 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 a county councillor in Offaly, Claire Claffey, who is a, a social democrats councillor, and she has seven kids. So she is, um, her job uh, is being a county councillor um, 
you know, is, is part time to an hour to do that. So it, it the job of a counsellor, it is flexible, but there are meetings in the evening or what, but you can, I suppose, manage and juggle your life around that. If it's something that you want to do, it's possible. Um, so what I would say to people, I suppose, is, you know, find out more about um, Sierra Electa from our website or our social media channels. We're on Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and find out, you know, there's resources there, the guidebook is there, there are, we're there to help and assist. And we have these two live in-person events um, in January and February of next year. Um, the support is there. Um, you know, we're with women every step of the way. We have the mentoring, peer support clinics as well. Um and it's, you know, I suppose, why not you? I suppose any woman that's sitting there listening to this, maybe or out for a walk or a jog or whatever the case may be, why not you? You know, why not you um, bring your voice and your lived experience in to the county council because it'll help benefit people in your community. And it is very re- rewarding, you know, to be able to see an issue or a problem and to bring a solution and to see it you know, to change, to affect change in your community, it is very rewarding. Um, and any of the councillors that are doing it for, for years, and I was even in Leitrim there a week or two ago um, on the schools programme. We could talk about that in a second if you want, but um, one of the councillors there is Mary Bowman, and she was one of the first women ever elected to Leitrim County Council in 1979. Um there have only ever been six women in total ever elected to each county council in almost 100 years. So, yeah, but her mother, Alice McTiernan, actually was the first woman ever to contest a local election in County Leitrim back in the 60s, I think it was 64. And at the time, I remember Mary Bowen said that Leitrim at the time had one of the highest um, percentages, uh, the highest number of homes in the country where there was no running water. Um, and that was something that really, really struck, stuck with her when she was out cannabis. And she said she went to the home of a, a woman in the John Kieran area and Roar and Leitrim, and she had five kids. And she said to her, if you, if you, she was on her for an action, Mary, and she said, the woman said to her, if you, if you don't do anything, if you do one thing, she said, it was, would you get running water? for these houses, you know, in the area. And she said, that stuck with her, like, you know, and that was one of her big campaign things was was to do that. And they did eventually, you know, get, get rid of water in all of those houses. But she said, never underestimate the impact that the change um, that you can bring to somebody's life. Like, it's, it's it can be life-changing, you know, things that's, that you can do and help. Um, and you're giving people a voice and you're an advocate for people and that's very rewarding, um, you know. So I would say, um, you know, find out more about her work and, and get involved. Um, and I suppose just as as well to say a bit about the schools um, yeah. programme in Sierra, in Sierra Elected, we also run um, a secondary schools um, roadshow. And this came about, it was through the workshops where I was delivered a workshop one day for the communications side of things. And one of the women, we were talking about actually, it was the PRS TV voting system in Ireland, the way our voting system works, transfers and that. And um, 
she said to me, oh, yeah, that's great. And she said, but imagine, she said, we shouldn't be learning about this now as women in our 40s and 50s. We should have known this from school or been taught this or been taught more about politics. And, you know, I said, you're right. And so I said, you know, we started then to work on the schools program. And that was something I was really passionate about, was getting out into secondary schools around the country, into talk to young women in fifth and sixth year and to why. Um, and boys as well and say, you know, and just explaining to them why we need more women and why it matters. And, you know, I always laugh out to say, especially when I'm speaking to a group of boys and girls, because I have a son myself, like, and, um, you know, and it's not about women being better than men. It's not at all. I always say, like, I love men. I have married one. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's about just having an equal say and having your voice at the decision making table. It's not about one sex being any better than the other. Um, and the students and bringing that, you know, just calling out the numbers to them and the stats. And they're shocked, actually, when you tell them. And even like in nature, man, going back up the history. So I always like to, to put out a, a figure in the past um, to highlight maybe some trailblazers in their county and then encouraging them to vote, get on the register of electors. You can pre-register to vote now at the age of 16 or 17. You can actually pre-register and they'll be ready to vote. Um, but using your vote to bring about change and always marking your ballot paper the whole way down and those points. Um, um, we have some videos that we share with them then about being an active citizen. So we've rolled that out now in counties all over the country. I was actually in Wexford there recently with the Wexford Women's Coalition and um, was in a number of schools there, number of those schools all over the country. So it's something that um, seems to really, you know, resonate with pupils and they seem to get a lot out of it. So um, that's, Fantastic. that's something else that we do as well. Thank you so much, Mairead. It's a really important work that you're doing and uh, I'm delighted to have you join me. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more or get involved, check out www.seeherelected.ie. And if you'd like to support the show, follow or subscribe on your chosen platform. It really does make a difference. And reach out and let me know your takeaways from this episode. What would you like to know more about? Send me a message and I'll see you next week.